Would you say you and Aang have a rocky relationship? <laughs> Breaking news, hot off the press. Read all about it. I don't think we should read about it, actually. <laughs> no. This is, okay, this is 99.9% .9 fake, right? I think it has to be. It has to be. There's no way. Like, uh, it's too ridiculous. Either that or we just like don't know what this actually is. So ba if you don't know what we're talking about, we are talking about um, the, the VulcanReporter.com uh, released character descriptions or they re uh, Netflix's avatars uh, show the character descriptions have been revealed. Which I don't think we know exactly what character descriptions are. Like I thought... Uh, like, maybe this is, like, what they include in their casting call. Maybe. But it, it's just so weirdly written and It wrong. sounds like it's written by, like, a fifth uh, grader. <laughs> yeah. And then it, it sounds well, like fan fiction. Yeah. Like, so, literally bad Wattpod, Wattpad fan fiction. Yeah. <laughs> so let's hear. Let's, let's hear one of them. This is Katara's. Quote. Katara is smart, athletic, determined, and hopeful. Okay. She's had to keep her family together ever since her mother was killed in a mysterious supernatural event. See, I'm going to stop you right no, there. <laughs> several years ago, a trauma that haunts Katara every day. Sorry, I had to finish the sentence. Yeah. A, a supernatural, mysterious yeah, a supernatural, supernatural event. event. Mm-hmm. We all know that one. Here's the thing about these descriptions. It's like they don't know that bending is real. Yeah, yeah. And here, like, let's read on because uh, there's there's more to like to contribute worse. to that. Yeah, it does get worse. Recently, she started to develop strange new powers strange. that both intrigue and scare her. She's no. an X Men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it. It sounds like it's like a super like superhero power. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like uh, exactly like a comic book almost. Um, she's looking for someone to help her understand these changes, okay. um, but she's also started to find hope in the thought her new skills could lead to a brighter future for her and her family. True, I guess. Yeah. But like, what's like, what are it's her like, it's, it's the framing. You know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of uh, real, like kind of true, but yeah. there's just some details in there. The adje adjectives they use to describe these things Basically, are just weird. Basically, what this sounds like is you take an AI and you, they, you, watch, you make it watch Avatar like over and over, <laughs> and over again, and then you tell the AI to create character descriptions of the characters. Yeah. And this is like along those, along those lines. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Can, let's read one more, one more. Okay. In excellent shape, focused, and driven, Zuko has been driven to be an <laughs> overachiever by his overbearing father, a career military man. <laughs> I guess it's not false. <laughs> yeah, it isn't false. Failure is never an option, uh -huh. and it doesn't matter who you hurt to get to the top. Okay. Zuko has struggled to reconcile that philosophy with his kind-hearted nature, and that conflict has made him intense and guarded. True. Which is why he comes off as brusque and arrogant. Okay. When he discovers he's developed mysterious powers. <laughs> Once again with the mysterious powers. And, and is competing with Aang for a key role in their project. <laughs> yeah, this, this sounds like a There's high a... school fan fiction of Avatar. Uh, it does, it does. And like they, they're a meteor crashes to the Earth and gives them all special powers at the same time. Yeah, yeah. 
Zuko's father tells him to stop at nothing to win. To win. To win. Win what? (laughs) And if he doesn't, he shouldn't bother coming home. This is so weird. Excuse me? Like, I just don't even, even if they were fake, like, who is making that up? Like, to try to convince people that those are the character descriptions for Avatar, you know (laughs) what I mean? It's just so ridiculous. It's like just twisting the story around too much, obviously. my theory, and I'm not an actor. Can we read one more, though? Because I just realized Aang's is pretty wild. (laughs) Okay. Um, Okay. Aang is a typical 12-year-old boy. True. A bit goofy, (laughs) a bit nerdy, which is, I don't... I wouldn't classify him as nerdy, nerdy, but whatever. I'll let it slide. A bit nerdy, restless in school. School? Like what? (laughs) Always always eager to join his friends for fun and games. Okay. He's nimble, energetic, and quick in the schoolyard. Okay. (laughs) Adopted at birth, he struggled with questions of how he fits in. Okay. But his slaving parents have worked hard to make him feel accepted. Monkeyazzo. <laughs> and so he's he's grown up to become generous, kind-hearted, and cheerful. He's also been gifted with an incredible, sorry, incredible mystical power. Right. He doesn't really understand, uh, but it could Just be the, the key to saving the world from a global conflict. I don't really, I honestly, have a problem with that because, like. He doesn't. It's true. He doesn't understand. He, he, the, out of everyone, he does get shocked with the discovery of his power. Yeah. So, like when I and that's the first character description. So when I was reading, I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird, but you know, fine. And the the slaving parents thing was like, what? Um, wait, there's more. It's a responsibility he's reluctant to accept because it'll take him away from his family, friends, and everything he knows. All he wants to is just. All he wants is to just be a regular kid. Again, not false. Yeah. Okay, here's my thing. I think if this is true, whatever this is, because I don't even know what it I is. Um, and I'm not an actor, so don't quote me on this. Um, we should ask your brother, like what, like yeah. the what the standard for casting calls are. Yeah. Because in my mind, because they defi- they definitely do come with character descriptions of like right. So know. maybe programs when they're casting their cast. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, they maybe they like kind of write a description that's not really true to the actual plot of the story maybe. to not give anything away. True. To, um, so maybe they kind of just write up yeah. something similar so that the actor who is auditioning can grasp the fundamentals of the character. Because yeah. I, I, I know that, that, that I like I know that sometimes in casting, like the, the scripts that they're given aren't even sometimes they don't even make it into yeah. the movies or the projects. It's just kind of fake scripts and fake storylines so that they can kind of grasp the yeah. essence of the character without get it, giving anything away i i agree with but that. i just pulled that all out of my ass, i know so. no i i think it makes sense my only issue is that avatar is a is an intellectual property that is known and loved since 2005 so if you're coming into this and maybe you're a kid or i don't know how young like i don't know if they're trying to be age appropriate i know with hollywood they do age up mm-hmm. the actors and actresses if they're trying to play like a teenager um so I don't, you know, we could be dealing with like 20 to 24 year olds auditioning for some of these, some of these roles. We are 20 to 24 year olds, you and I, who have grown up with Avatar. So 
I feel like there should there is a presumption there that even the actors and actresses would already know that's who true. these characters are. But so like, what's what's the need with hiding details? I think it's just like kind of uh, making a shorter synopsis 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 of the story and making it easier to grasp in the moment for right. an actor who is gets handed the script. That's you know, true. because. You can't describe in a like you know water, fire, earth, air. Yeah, long ago, the four elements. You know you can't you yeah. can't really if if someone truly does not know anything about Avatar, they're an they're an actor auditioning. They've never heard about Avatar. Yeah, they do have and to. They can't assume that everybody's. They seen need it to grasp sure. the character, and it's hard. It's kind of easier to kind of put it in like high school, like mystical power settings. Yeah. I mean, instead and, of uh, just like trying to explain the whole war. I think war. It, I think it's already a given being it's a Netflix thing, that it's going to be more dramatic. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a little more mature as far as like the actual content goes. I mean, I, at least that's what we can assume, I think, safely. Um, and that's probably a direction that the, the showrunners didn't like. Right. You know, and so that's why th- these descriptions sound more mature. I mean, that's our first hint was them aging up Katara. Right. Yeah. I still think that these are just fake, and like, it does. It still sounds fake. It sounds sure. like really bad fan fiction of like, what if Aang was a high schooler <laughs> and Katara and Sokka were yeah. on the volleyball team, yeah. and Instead Sokka of... was the or Zuko was the football player with a bad family life. You know, like, I can see it. Like Aang comes out of the iceberg, and he's adopted by a nearby fisherman because he doesn't know any better. And the fisherman puts him up at the nearest school, and that's where he meets uh, Katara and Sokka at the school. Yeah. You know what I mean? Water like, tribe high. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's... That could be... Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's either 100% bogus or it's some kind of like casting call yeah. manipulation. Yeah. Because again, it it doesn't... Spe- I don't think it specifies in the article. I don't remember it. I didn't... It's been, it's been a couple days. But... Um, all it says is these are Netflix's uh, character descriptions right. of the show. And I don't, when when was the last time, you know, like when does Netflix ever release like character descriptions? Right. So you that's why I mean? it's, if it is true, it's something that's leaked from maybe the auditioning process. Could be. Welcome to Rocky Relationship and Avatar The Last Airbender podcast. I'm Danielle. And I'm Erin. And today we're talking about chapter 17, The Northern Air Temple. Yes. This is a good in. Chapter 17, right? Uh, Let's check the, the Google Doc. Yes. Good job. Great. Um, yeah, so this is a good episode. It feels to me a little rushed in some parts, I will say. I feel like they try to pack a lot into this. I mean, there's like a main speaking character who doesn't have a name. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't have time. (laughs) They did not have time to uh, give him a name. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I do like this episode. Yeah. This is um, another one. It's this an is, important episode. It is. And it, it's one of those episodes where when I look back at season one, I think about this one. Really? It, it's like it's among those that I just remember from season one. This is a forgettable episode to me. Really? Yeah. Like Again, uh, two weeks in a row. I like the deserter or I I uh, enjoyed or remember the deserter more. Like yeah. The episode itself than you did. Right. And I remembered more. Again, Nozuko. Mm, that's yeah. the theme here last week didn't have zuko either the uh, deserter no the deserter, it didn't, it didn't. 
So I think we're seeing a theme here. <laughs> that you're a Zuko stan. Yeah, so maybe the ones with that don't have Zuko in are forgettable to me. <laughs> <laughs> but this one's good. It is good. And like I said, it sets up some really important plots for not even just like the last three episodes of the season, but the yeah. rest of the series. Right. Um. So uh, it's, it's a good episode. It's a necessary step, but I'm excited next week to get into Water finally, Tribe. Finally. We'll be getting there. To the North Pole. <laughs> well, but, uh, we should probably uh, yeah, talk, talk about, about, about the Northern Air Temple first. Let's do it. What the doodle? Don't you know enough to stay away from construction sites? We have to make room for the bathhouse. Do you know what you did? You just destroyed something sacred for a stupid bathhouse. Well, people around here are starting to stink. This whole place stinks. Ah! Chapter 17, The Northern Air Temple The gang, still on their journey to the North Pole, has taken camp with other travelers. At the campfire, they exchange stories of airwalkers who laugh at gravity, claiming that their last sighting of airbenders was only last week. This prompts Aang to want to visit the nearby Northern Air Temple. At first, from a distance, the group is excited to see people flying around the temple. However, Aang quickly realizes that, from the way they're gliding, they couldn't be real airbenders. They get closer, and one boy catches their attention with his joyful spirit. Him and Aang race around each other doing glider tricks. After their air shenanigans, they land, and the gang can now see that the boy, Teo, is wheelchair-bound. Teo realizes that Aang is a real airbender, and thus figures out that he must be the Avatar. He takes the gang to see the temple and meet his dad, who invented Teo's chair and all of the gliders. On the way, Aang is visibly upset by all of Teo's father's other inventions, as he has built hot air-powered machinery all throughout the once sacred temple. As the gang is admiring an unchanged area of the temple, the walls are suddenly demolished by the inventor making room for a new bathhouse. The inventor explains to Aang that him and his people discovered the air temple after their home was destroyed by a flood. His wife was gone and his son Teo was badly injured and could not walk. He was so inspired by the paintings of the airbenders that he wanted to make a new life for his son in the sky. Seeing Aang is upset, Teo takes Aang to the air sanctuary. Since it can only be opened by airbending, Teo believes it to be the one part of the temple that is the same. Aang decides to leave it unopened so it can stay untouched by Teo's people. Teo takes Aang and Katara to the outside of the temple so Katara can learn how to glide. Aang realizes that even though Teo wasn't born an airbender, he has a natural spirit of one. Now warmed up to Teo more, Aang decides to open the sanctuary so Teo can finally see what's inside. Sokka, impressed by the inventor, goes with him to see his inventions. The inventor asks for Sokka's help with solving a problem he's been trying to fix. Within the temple is a room filled with natural gas that they need to think of a way to make it detectable so they can discover leaks faster. In the inventor's study, Sokka spills the inventor's weak old lunch, causing the room to smell like rotten eggs. This gives them the idea to add old eggs to the natural gas to make it detectable. In the sanctuary, Aang, Katara, and Teo get the doors open and, to their horror, discover that the room is full of Fire Nation weapons. The inventor runs in and tells them that he has been forced to design weapons for the Fire Nation in exchange for protection from their army. When the Fire Soldier comes through later that day to collect weapons from the inventor, 
Aang attacks the soldier and refuses to let the inventor give them any more. Now knowing that the army is bound to retaliate, the inventor, with the help of Sokka, comes up with a plan to use aerial attacks with their gliders on the army, as well as a war balloon that the inventor has been working on. When the army eventually comes, the gang and the refugees work together to fend off the Fire Nation using smoke bombs, slime bombs, and some stink bombs. Sokka and the inventor use the Fire Nation war balloon to drop more bombs, and as they are fighting, they suddenly smell rotten eggs. They realize that the leak of natural gas is coming from a nearby crack, and they drop their war balloon engine in the crack to create an explosion that makes the army retreat. They lose control of the balloon, so Aang has to save them. When they get back to the temple, we see Fire Nation soldiers reinflating the grounded war balloon, which gives them an idea for future battles. Dun dun dun! Dun bum bum! That's um. That's a that's what I was like talking about when I said that it sets up like plot points for future yeah. like seasons because we don't see war balloons in season one. No, not yeah, not for the rest of the season. I feel like when's the next time we is it? I think it's book three when we see war balloons. Yeah, um, I don't think we yeah. see them in Bossing Sing. Yeah, because there's the zeppelins in book three. Yeah, like I think um, I think it's when. <laughs> I, I could be wrong. I think it's when uh, Zuko uses the balloon to like travel and find the 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 gang. Right. And then later, the 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 biggest thing I remember about the air balloons or the war balloons is when uh, Azula finds them, and mm. Zuko's like, "What are you doing here? Isn't it obvious? I'm about to celebrate becoming an only child." <laughs> Did, did you Classic. like my Azula impression? I loved it. Thank you. It was fantastic. Thank she, you. You were so menacing. <laughs> the The trick is to kind of do it high-pitched in a weird accent. <laughs> it's like not an American accent. It's Nor is it nor It's is not it British. British, but it's like yeah. fancy. Yeah, it is. I'm about to celebrate becoming an only child. It's kind of like um, Moira from Schitt's Creek. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. We're, we haven't even seen Azula. <laughs> Why are we talking about it? Yeah, all right. Let's get to the episode. Yes. So, so um, what's the theme? What's the theme? Um, well, the theme, I think, is home. Yeah. Um, and uh, protecting home or finding a new home. Mm -hmm. um, so, obviously, with Aang, um, he is, when he comes to the Northern Era Temple, he's horrified by what the inventor has been what he's been up to you know um blowing out walls making room for all these inventions all these piping everywhere it's very industrial yeah um and so Aang is honestly yeah he's offended by it yeah straight it's, up. it's that classic like nature versus industrialization yeah i know? mean i wouldn't say nature i would just say like old versus new i mean you know what i mean Aang literally says nature Oh, does he? Yeah. I think it's, but the thing is, I, I think it's weird to compare nature just he in says, general because it's, because, well, still what a happens is like the inventor says, just like nature moves, like so does progress. And Aang is like, nature knows when to stop. Right. Um, And then the inventor is like, yeah, but progress has a way of getting away from us, <laughs> which looking back is actually kind of sad when yeah. he says that because. He has been gifted with his mind, this inventor. Yeah. You know, By the he, way, the inventor has no name. That's yeah, the, guy the inventor we're is about. the inventor. Um, so. Teo's father, the inventor. And he comes back. 
Yes. He's still unnamed. Just the inventor. Um, the inventor has a gift of having this beautiful mind um, that has been warped by war to create horrible things. Well, I think that's uh, it goes into the theme as well, where he has he feels like he he feels like he has to um, help the Fire Nation in order to survive and protect his home. Right. His but- his story of his home and like how they found and stumbled onto the temple after their home was destroyed by the flood. Yeah. Um, and his son was wounded, like him being so inspired by like the people flying in the skies yeah. that he wanted to create like a life for his now disabled son yeah. in the skies. I mean, it even has like Katar and Sokka like <laughs> tearing yeah. up a bit. It is beautiful. And uh, yeah, he's really it, trapped it, into a corner uh, with the fire nation yeah. And he can't really do and anything. And to his credit, I mean, would he expect to see, you know, an air nomad actually from that time period? But, yeah, you know. I mean, it it is true. The the air nomads are long gone yeah. to the point where um the inventor didn't really even seem to know what they were. Right, yeah. He was like people walking and flying well, in the part sky. Of, that's part of like what the Fire Nation was trying to do is mm-hmm. is cultural erasure. You right. Know what I mean, just and it's taking just, them off the map. Which literally, it's just crazy that pe- there are people who don't even know really what airbending is. Which yeah. kind of makes sense. This this might have been a small Earth Nation village. Yeah. They they're didn't seem to isolated. have any earthbenders with them, so they're not really like connected to bending. Right. Anyways. Um, so they're so cut off from bending as a culture anyways, that they don't even know like what airbending is Yeah. or they do, but it's just like a, a long yeah, off I myth mean, to them. That's how it started in the beginning of the episode when they're telling these stories and everybody's just so wowed, you know, in the, I, yeah. love, I love the line laugh at gravity. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's just a very like apt way of it's a perfect way of describing airbending yeah um which makes me like think about um uh in cora with zahir when he actually learned how to fly like without anything Mm -hmm. we'll get into this later because i have some uh facts i dug up about the air nomads in general but yeah they were the reason why they are so spiritual is because they have learned um reached they they aim to reach enlightenment through the uh through giving up worldly possessions Mm -hmm. um and that's part of the reason why like that their bending is so connected in spirituality for them yeah it's kind of like how fire bending is very much connected to your inner what is it breath right um earth bending is very much connected to grounding your, yourself. Yeah, your stance. Your stance, water bending, connected to the moon, mm-hmm. um, and you know your flow, and air bending. I mean, it's air is everywhere. You know, it's just it's yeah. so it it's so fleeting. Yeah. That it it comes with, for the airbenders, it comes with spirituality. Yeah. Um. To be able to control it well. Yeah, and kind of gatekeeps air air bending. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Yeah, he does. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. He is kind of like a. Um, he's pretty uppity. He like, he gatekeeps. He girl bosses and he gaslights in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Wait, girl bosses? Yeah, you never heard that that saying. Oh, I know what girl bossing is, but like in this episode, what's no, the it's just that it, there's a. Okay, so the youngins, Aaron. Uh, there's a saying it's like gatekeep girl boss, 
uh, gaslight. Oh. It's like the three G's of yeah, okay. <laughs> being a modern woman. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Anyways. Um, I thought you were saying gaslighting because of the whole rotten eggs thing too. No, that's that's funny. No, but he, he does kind of like, you know, literally from the first time they see the Teo's people, uh, he's like, they're not flying. They're just gliding, which is like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Like, you could argue that that's what you're doing. Yeah, too. <laughs> it, you get, like, gliding implies, like, it's still falling at the same time. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's still motion going downwards. They, yeah. They're not gaining altitude in any, unless if there's, like, an updraft. Well, what happened but, is um the inventor invented, used the hot air of yeah. the temple and his machinery to guide the hot air around the temple so people can glide. Right. That's okay. what's happening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's all invention. It's all pure innovation. Yeah. It's, you know, um, but, you know. Do you think that like just makes it hot up there? Yeah. Just like probably. in general, like it's when you just walk air. outside, like, God fucking damn. <laughs> it's so hot out <laughs> well it's on. also in the north like so yeah it must be cold out right? yeah like like I, mean, I don't know much about physics, I'm not a physics it's built guy, on but like a natural snow, it's built know? on like a natural pository of like uh hot air or something do you think the northern air nomads knew that yeah i'm sure like they probably used it to their advantage they probably used like it what? to keep warm maybe because well, it, was, it was up in the north i was thinking it would be more of like a uh, defensive like strategy maybe i mean it didn't work in the end but <laughs> damn yeah but again it, i i think i asked this in the episode of the southern air temple it's like how did the fire nation get up there like in this this episode they used i mean i again the answer is susan's comment but <laughs> this episode they had like technology and machinery right. and all the like these uh weird grappling tank, yeah tanks. grappling tank things yeah. um that had not that was not made a hundred years ago. They weren't the Fire Nation wasn't as industrial mm-hmm. as it was as it is now. Um, so yeah, it's very still makes me wonder like, geez, how strong did Sozin's comet mm-hmm. you know help them out or how how strong was it? Um, let's talk about Teo. Teo. Uh, I really loved how immediately he was introduced. Uh, you know, Aang is kind of, again, gatekeeping. He's like, these people are just gliding. They have no spirit. In comes Teo immediately. Yeah. Laughing just like Aang does when he flies. Yeah, it was yeah. very similar, like, to the point where oh, I yeah. thought that, like, the actors, like, might have been the same right. for a second. Maybe. Uh, I don't think they are. Um, but... They just... No, they just put the same laugh. They have, like, Aang. the similar laugh. <laughs> and, you know, you see this young boy flying the same way Aang does. Literally, they mirror each other when they start, like, facing off in the sky. Um, and it kind of goes back to what you were talking about last week with Zhang Zhang and how he doesn't even identify with his nation. Mm-hmm. You have someone like Teo who identifies with a nation that's not his. Yeah. And that he he's a non-bender. Right. Um, and he identifies with this this the spirituality and the spirit of a nation that's long gone. Right. I would say it's harder to say for Teo, however, because um, he again he he's he's in a culture or he's in a tribe. What are villagers? I I, never, I don't know how Refugees. to describe their yeah um, a squad. <laughs> he's in a squad of non-benders or in 
people who probably have been sheltered from all of that. So it's hard to say that he might feel like an affinity towards airbending, but he definitely has an affinity to flying itself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, well, Aang himself, you know, says it like, even though he's not an airbender, he has the spirit of one. Right, yeah. Toward, you know, that's how he kind of warms up to him towards the end of the episode and realizes that a, a lot of important things that he loves about his culture and his people, like it doesn't matter if the buildings are being torn away. Like it lives on in these people yeah. like who inhabit the temple now. Right. Um, and that's, you know, that's all brought together when by the hermit crab, you know, that he picks up at the end of the mm-hmm. episode. Um, Teo pointed out that the hermit crabs are probably descendants of the creatures who used to live at the temple. And uh, Aang picks up the hermit crab and he's like, just like this hermit crab, you guys have claimed this place as your home and made it into, you know, mm-hmm. yours. Um, and I thought that was really beautiful. Yeah. Oh, uh, let's talk about Sokka. What about him? I think he really like came into his own in this episode. Yeah, um, this was probably the first like war, uh, you know, master tactician, yeah, yeah, strategist. Yeah, and you know we see that a lot in the rest of the series, and it was cool Mm -hmm. that it snuck out a little. Well, yeah, and um, part of Sokka's like character development is becoming a leader Mm -hmm. too, and his uh, his trials and tribulations through all of that. because I, I remember in the Black Sun, that was a pretty yeah. pretty bad look for Sokka when he was like, right. explain. I, I think it was like he was explaining like the war plans to everyone and nobody, he wasn't like. He uh, was scared. Like, yeah, he was nervous. super scared and nervous. Yeah. Yeah. But like in, these, in this scenario, he was fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I think because he had the inventor like right next to him. So they were able yeah, to. Yeah. And in the day the of Black Sun, he's kind of having to prove himself to his dad because his dad's that's, army yeah. is there. Yeah. But I thought, no, I. I you know, this is the first kind of tactical battle we see the gang involved in. Yes. In the show. Uh, we're we're going to see it yeah, soon like again. Army. But um, this is the first like army battle we but see. But even I would say in the uh, next couple episodes, we're going to see where there's a big battle. Um, the gang's not really involved in it. Yeah. They're off to the side doing spirit stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the, the army stuff is relegated to the actual right. um, northern area. But this people. is kind of like the first good versus evil army battle we see. Right. Um, yeah. And it is cool like seeing a bunch of like quote unquote airbenders like flying yeah. and fucking up the army. <laughs> yeah. That's what it looks like, you know? I, I laughed when they said they had slime bombs. <laughs> and Danielle was like, it is a Nickelodeon show. You gotta you gotta have the slime in every show, man. <laughs> oh gosh. And it's just like where did they get that from? Did I guess the inventor just the, is really good at making oobleck. Well, no, I mean, remember Aang was walking around the temple and there was all this like sludge runoff from the machinery so it's probably that gross yeah gross yeah so it's not oobleck i don't know what that is it's like that's the cornstarch and uh uh water thing and it's like (laughs) (laughs) non-newtonian come on you never seen the videos or the the satisfying like instagram are you talking are you talking about slime like, it, like, like there's what slime. the kids make with there's glitter? There's slime, but there's oobleck. I don't... Where, like, if you hit it really fast or hard, it's solid. But if you go through it slow, it becomes it's liquid. I have no idea what you're talking you, about. You know, uh, if I show you a video right now, you'd be like, hot damn. Can't believe I forgot about that. 
Um, Sky Bison Polo. What? Sky Bison Polo. What's that? What is that? I don't know. Uh, but the championships for Sky Bison Polo were held at the Northern Air Temple. Oh, is that a fun fact? No, that's what Aang says from I don't, his mouth. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't even remember he said that. When he's walking through the temple, he's like, this is where they used to have the Sky Bison Polo yeah, let's, championships. Let's, let's paint a word picture. So we have two I'm teams. not very familiar with polo in general as a sport, so I don't even know like what oh, we're starting yeah, with. I, <laughs> I, yeah, let's say, I don't know about polo, too. I mean, I would think it would operate the same way. Like they're riding the... on Sky Bison? Yes, yes. It's that not is, the sky well, bison Because you can play polo, like you play polo on a horse. Oh. So it's like that. Oh, okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and they, and they have like things and they hit balls with it. Yeah, they have like a hammer. Okay. And they like hit it through, um, what's it called? Like a little archway. So you know it's I mean? Quidditch, but on sky bison. Polo is not Quidditch, that's for sure. It's Quidditch if, every, if both teams were full of beaters. And it's on Sky Yeah, Bison. I think polo is similar to baseball. I think they're like cousins. <laughs> We're, we have or no maybe idea. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of cricket. Maybe I'm thinking of cricket. I don't know. If if you know, if you're, if you're an international polo? listener. What, what's water polo? Yeah. Water polo, to my understanding, is like soccer. But in the water, <laughs> I think I could be wrong too. So then... So why is regular polo like baseball and not like soccer? I don't know. <laughs> That's I... what I'm saying. Soccer is basically Quidditch. Let's let's find a quick uh just Wikipedia. No, I like guessing. Oh crap! I I literally just searched the word polo and Ralph Lauren. <laughs> okay, so just quick. Polo is a horseback ball game, a traditional field sport, and one of the world's oldest known team sports. The game is played by two opposing teams with the objective of scoring using a long-handled wooden mallet to hit a small hard ball through the opposing team's goal. So soccer, but with... so if... I'm thinking, yeah, I was thinking of cricket. So yeah. if, if um, like I said, if Quidditch was played on Bison and the only roles were beaters... Because the beaters have the bats that they hit yeah. the ball through the hoop with. So you're saying that people are just smacking each other as well? No, the beaters don't. You can't oh, hit sorry, each the, other. <laughs> the beaters were the ones in charge of the bludgers, right? Yeah, they had the bats and they would hit the yes. bludgers away with the bats. But like, imagine if, if Quidditch, everyone had bats. Quick question. If you were on a Quidditch team, what role would you be? Um... Not a seeker because I don't have good eyesight. If you notice, we've quickly switched into our podcast inside of a podcast where it's a Harry Potter podcast. No, it's just a Quidditch podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would be, uh, I'd be a keeper, goalie. A keeper? That, yeah. You gotta have quick reflexes. Uh, I, I don't know. I was a goalie in, when I played soccer. You I liked like that in, because- in first grade or something? I liked that because I was a little uh, overweight and I was really slow, so I would just stand in front of the goal. Oh, no. And that's why I liked being a goalie. Okay. Um, I would probably be a beater or a chaser. Was that the other one? Like the chaser, like the three, like the three. Yeah, they're the ones who like actually carry the ball. They're the they're the ones the... who score goals. Yeah. Um. I would be a bad. I would be a bad chaser. I ha I'll have to say that. I think I'd be a beater. I'd say I'm a beater. Like I'm a support. You know, like mm -hmm. I'm able to. Because they're also the ones that would like rough people up too, right? Right. Because you can hit the bludger into someone, and that was legal. Right. 
Switching back to our Avatar podcast. Welcome to Rocky Relationship. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to talk about, with, like Teo and the inventor? I don't think so. Um, I guess like, uh, yeah, with with the inventor, because yeah, his situation is really. It's, I mean, what are you gonna it's do? A hard situation. Yeah, yeah. You, I, you can't blame him for just trying to do what's best to protect his people. Yeah. Um, his and, son. Yeah, and if that means that the Fire Nation is the only power around that can do that, and all that means is you have to, you have to just just make weapons, like. Uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, he is he is making weapons for the Fire Nation, so that's just bad in general. Mm-hmm. But again, what what would you do in that situation? It's like the it's like the the scientists who had to work on like the atom bomb, you know? Right, like the Manhattan country. Project. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I you know, and I and also a moment with him was kind of like he knew what was going to happen with the war balloon, right? Because um he knew that the war balloon had gone down. And that it was out there and that the firebenders could potentially find it. Yeah. Uh, he had this really sullen look on his face at the end of the episode mm-hmm. before we see the, the firebenders uh, re-heating um, up the balloon. Yeah. Um, which was a haunting moment because, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like we said, we know that like they eventually use that technology to create a fleet. Yeah. And I think in the in the Day of Black Sun... The inventor sees the war balloons. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember exactly, but I think he kind of sees like the his inventions used. I, yeah, on the I vaguely side. remember there being a moment. And he's like, sure. wow. <laughs> like it's just horrifying to him. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a rough situation, but I mean Aang did get them out of it. You know, he yeah, did he, his job as the favor bending moment. I, oh. <laughs> I, I'm calling it right now. Favor bending moment when he pimp slapped. <laughs> That Fire Nation general with like a an air whip. Yeah, it, he literally slapped him. Yeah, it was so funny. <laughs> I don't know if I have a favorite bending moment, um, but I do love the Ang face moment of all Ang face moments. Yeah, this is the Ang it's face. It's the it's the Ang face Teo when Teo it. paints a portrait of Ang <laughs> in the sky <laughs> using uh, air trails. Yeah, and, and it's him like doing like his upset like mm, face, yeah. like grumpy face, and then it immediately cuts to Ang's face making just, that expression. Yeah, so good, so good. It was it was the Ang face, capital the... A, capital F. All right, so I wanted to do something a little different this time. Instead of showing up with absolutely no research and uh, just pulling <laughs> <laughs> oh pulling God. random ideas out of out of my butt and like just talking yeah, about stuff I don't you'd even be know in charge if it's of the true. Fun facts. I came with a bunch of facts. I don't know if they're fun, but they're. I mean, they're it's factual. fun to talk about. They are factual. Fun to talk about, yeah. I just wanted to talk about the air nomads in general and some important parts of them since we we see a lot more of their culture in this episode. Yeah, we see murals, paintings, statues, mm-hmm. all this stuff. Right. And even though we don't see any flashbacks like we did uh, in the Southern Air Temple, I think we get a more complete picture over what the culture was like. Yeah. And on it, like how it might be um, impressioned to people of today right you know what i mean they see these old decrepit buildings and Mm -hmm. walls and stuff and to them you know it's just something that happened 100 years ago that they just know nothing about you know right so my sources are 
Avatar Wiki. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Hype this, it. this section is now, instead of fun facts, called Danielle basically reads from Avatar Wiki. Let's hear it. I'm um, excited. So the Air Nomads, um, they're in, described as an exclusive theocratic society, mm-hmm. um, which theocratic means like religious. Yeah. Uh, ruled, by, rule. yeah, yeah. ruled by a religious uh, government. Which is body. the elder monks. Right. Um, they rule the temples. Um, is there like different sets of monks for each temple? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think, I believe so. Um, collectively, it's made up of only benders, like we talked about. It's right. the one nation where they see, they see the air nation as just the air nomads. That's okay. what they, that's what the air nation is. Just yeah. air nomads. Um, so that's because... Because the benders, like airbenders, are just so spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like airbending is its own religion, you know? Right. And because of that, they do actually have kind of these air pilgrims where people okay. would kind non benders would like migrate and uh, pilgrimage to air temples to like learn about the religious background of ah. the air nomads. Interesting. So they would kind of participate in the religion aspect of it. Without being full members of and, and they're the temples. not like air nomads aren't like one hundred percent celibate either. Like they no they can't be they right. aren't because right. I and I don't know if that's like a a thing that is just forbidden but they do it anyways or it's it's fine you know I think, I, I think yeah, it's fine I mean, yeah they don't mention like because how being else are they gonna re- how pure. are they how else are they gonna like you know procreate more airbenders yeah the the thing is though like at so least it's, right it's, now we haven't seen a lot of female airbenders too no like there were plenty in ang's flashback they're not in ang's flashback but apparently there were plenty uh they're i mean called, I, be, I believe it I, there has to be they're called um so, nuns okay. instead of monks yeah it's just so far in the show we haven't really seen yeah which is any. weird um i don't know maybe they separate them but uh there are plenty there's it's Could not be. like a it's not a male dominated um yeah yeah i I know that it's just it's not like the northern temple where they forbid women from practicing northern water temple right sorry the northern water tribe not temple (laughs) sorry (laughs) you missed a word and i screwed something up (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so they because they're nomads they're world travelers um but obviously they settled over time in four different temples we have seen the southern temple so far We see the Northern Temple in this episode. We eventually see the Eastern Temple when Aang goes to study with Guru Patik um, and learn about his chakras. And then we eventually see the Western Air Temple when the gang escapes the Fire Nation after the Day of Black Sun. And the Western Air Temple is my favorite because it's like all upside down and cool. Yeah. It's like in the mountain range. Right. Yeah. It's really cool. And then, of course, we see the fifth air temple in Legend of Korra, which is located in Republic City on Air Temple Island. Yes. Yeah. And um, it's really interesting because um, obviously, I mean, this is jumping around a little bit, uh, but before we go back into the history, obviously we see in Korra the future of air nomads after the genocide. And it all kind of started after the war ended um ang kind of had this fan club <laughs> and they were like they were like air nation fan me- fan club members yeah. and that's how the air acolytes were born 
Uh, so Aang was originally kind of really annoyed with them in the same sense that he was annoyed originally with Teo's people. Yeah. He thought they were kind of like making fun and making light of his culture by kind of appropriating it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he eventually I mean, really saw their their uh, their fanatic the fanaticism as general like genuine appreciation and he taught them right yeah. and they became the first air acolytes and they grew and they even went on to hold an air acolyte would hold a position on the council when republic city was formed until tenzin eventually took over that ah. position yeah so when tenzin obviously became old enough he became kind of like the leader in yeah. a way of the air acolytes and they all lived together in all on air temple island but also air acolytes settled in all of the temples around the nations nice yeah reviving the culture uh throughout the history you know we saw them in juan's episode originally on the backs of the turtle lion things yes um but they weren't they were just wearing the garb right you know that was pre-bending after bending was discovered they all had natural airbending abilities. They even had primitive versions of the arrow tattoos that we see now. Okay. But they weren't arrows. They were just kind of more abstract tattoos around their just body. Like blue. And you know, everyone would get them. Like when your baby was born in their nation, they would give them to the mm. baby. It wasn't until they started learning airbending techniques from the bison that they copied the bison's arrows and turned the tattoos into arrows and gave them out to uh, masters only. Dang. Yeah. Uh, how badass would it be to have other other design tattoos? Like with with each different airbending master, they like get to choose a different design, but you can like, they would still relegate it to only masters. I don't know. I really that like that cool. they're they're modeled after the bison. I like that too. I think it's cool, but I I still like I like the idea of the individuality. But that's not really what the air air nomads are about. Anyway, over time they became more unattached to material possessions, and they actually became more rare in sight, and they became less of world travelers than they once were. Hmm. Um, so it was kind of rare to see an airbender out and about. <laughs> Uh, and But when they were seen around, like the Fire Nation and the Earth Nation, they were viewed as bearers of good fortune. So mm. was, they were like omens. Yeah. Like positive omens. Are omens always bad? I don't think omens are always bad. Right. So they were omens of good fortune. Yeah. Uh, we know that the Air Nation held many great avatars, but Avatar Yang Chin is revered and actually semi-worshipped pretty much as the greatest airbending. She was like the bridge builder. Yeah. yeah, she was seen before Aang. She was seen as the greatest airbending avatar of all time, uh, especially by the airbenders. They built two statues of her, one in the Eastern Temple and one in the Western Temple, hmm. which then made me think that Gyatso was really important, too, because they built a freaking statue of him while he was alive <laughs> in the Southern Temple. Yeah, like, they did. did you ever think about that? Like, why was his statue there? Like, they built it while he was alive. Yeah, I mean, he was a badass. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And even though Kiyoshi was from the Earth Nation, she herself was half air nomad. So she was also technically an air oh, avatar really? as well. Mm -hmm. Her mother was an air nomad. That's really interesting. Yeah. I need to finish that book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Roku. Probably had a citation from, from the book. When yeah. You in their wiki. <laughs> Roku was trained at the Southern Air Temple and he was besties with Gyatso. 
Ooh. That was shown in the episode yeah, of Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why. I mean, like, when you're buddy buddies with the with the Avatar, you get a statue made after you. <laughs> right. And then, of course, uh, that brings us to the genocide, which marked, what is it, 0-A-G? Yes. Yeah, A-G after genocide. Yeah. Uh, so the genocide wiped away the air vendors um and we didn't really see airbenders again until harmonic convergence mm. rebirthed them and after the events of Korra, the air nation was once again some, some something people, some people <laughs> find that very controversial i loved it and i i thought that kind of goes back to the i loved this episode made me appreciate like the air acolytes more and the mm-hmm. benders who were chosen after harmonic recon like harmonic convergence. Yeah. Uh, because it kind of made sense. Like they were people who kind of did they 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 were people who were misfits of their own nations in yeah. many ways. They were nomadic, and a lot of them like the right. the Genora's friend was very nomadic. Um. The, the guy mean, who lived in his mom's basement was yeah. <laughs> was very a misfit. And then we had Boomy yeah. who in was had Aang's spirit through and through. Right. Um, so it kind of finally made sense that they were all given the bending abilities and kind of rehomed into the Air Nation. Yeah. I love that part of Korra rebuilding the Air Nation because um it's kind of emotional. If you I don't know, um thinking about how how do you build a culture that's 178 years old, mm-hmm. right? At that time, when Korra... And Tenzin had a lot on his back, like, trying to make it exactly the way that his father, you know, taught Envisioned, him about. Yeah, taught and him. But, like, At that with point, progress you, you comes, like, you know, people didn't want to really do it, like, the old ways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, a lot of people had problems with... Um, Leaving their families. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. So... I think it's it it is interesting to see how you can find a new culture within um a culture that's dead, mm-hmm. you know, but still paying homage to that. It would be interesting to see how the spirituality of airbending in itself evolved post Korra with so many like in this modern world. Right. With Trying you know, to- so much of old airbending was based on being not being materialistic and gonna, right. it would be interesting to see how that kind of morphs. I'm trying to see uh I'm trying to see pro bending with the airbender they'd, with the fourth. they'd be too, it would be against their practices I feel like against their practices I mean Tenzin hates it oh as <laughs> like I, it would be too like well that's the too thing. showy you know well I mean there's there had there has to be a point where eventually when you're in the modern world like that people are going to just break off I think it, it also kind of because like when I was reading about it, 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 it described air air nomads as being like exclusive. So it was yeah. kind of only only it, it made it seem like airbending was only unlocked by being uh, very spiritual in this way. Mm, I don't know. Maybe. So, or maybe like, I don't know. But it, it harmonic convergence kind of broke that all away it yeah it of, did it it made it more inclusive and gave the power back to because i mean different types of people just like the other nations yeah I, I mean you're imagine you live your life you're like 30 years old and suddenly you can airbend like are you really going to want to give that all up just to um be a part of a culture that you have not um really seen or witnessed in 
your lifetime at all mm-hmm. you know you have only read about like it's 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 a hard it's a hard pill to swallow it's hard it's hard to sell that for sure um and something like if you think that happened to you, if that happened to me I, I don't think i would be able to give up my life like that i think i just have to i think i would just figure out how to live yeah <laughs> as an airbender i mean yeah it's like it's like you know in any religion becoming a monk or a nun it's a it's a decision that people make yeah it's a big one about you know their own spirituality anyways i hope you got you liked that kind of brief history i just wanted to kind of be more I did. in detail i enjoyed it and give more knowledge backing up the episode i always appreciate any backup any uh back sorry background information regarding what we're talking about because it gives context yeah um to the to the discussions for sure um probably much needed context for because there there are definitely sometimes we're just like i don't know yeah (laughs) but yeah this episode ran a little longer but i think uh i think kind of introducing this new like yeah more knowledge filled session at the end of the episode was fun yeah i i enjoy it maybe uh next episode we can do like the the water tribes. Right. And then we can talk about the moon and the um, water spirits after mm. that. Yeah. Cool. As long as there's Avatar Wiki, we will have material. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, um, follow us on Instagram at Rocky Relationship. And on TikTok at Rocky Relationship Pod. And um, uh, leave a comment or sorry. Leave, leave a review, review on, apple, on podcasts. apple podcasts please 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 follow us on google spotify too. yeah google i, don't I think really you check. can write a review pretty sure you can i don't have a google phone yeah i don't know <laughs> um anyway we'll see you a next week <laughs> bye bye <laughs>